Welcome to the Orange Socks Podcast, where we are inspiring life despite a diagnosis. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Nebaker. I was privileged to meet Mariah and her two daughters, Emma and Abby, who live with the same ultra-rare genetic condition called THAP12 mutation. To give you an idea how rare, as far as Mariah knows, the girls are the only ones in the world with that diagnosis. I know you're going to enjoy their story. My daughters, Emma and Abby, have the exact same disability, and it's actually kind of crazy. They were diagnosed with a genetic condition that had not ever been discovered before. And in fact, at this point, they're the only two known people in the world to have their specific genetic condition. So they are, um, I guess, ultra, ultra rare, um, kind of feels like we won the lottery in a maybe not the best way, (laughs) but um, it makes them very special. And So we are kind of trailblazing, understanding this genetic condition and it presents as seizures primarily. So both my daughters have seizures. Um, Emma has them a bit more severely. She has seizures every day, multiple times a day. Um, But thanks to what we learned with Emma during her initial treatment for those seizures, We found what worked well, what didn't work well. And when Abby was diagnosed, we were able to apply those learnings and Abby's seizures are much more controlled. So she does have them periodically um, and her brain waves and her EEG are still abnormal, but she doesn't have the seizures like Emma does that make her cry out in pain and in fear. So we were very lucky that Emma taught us so much about the condition that we were able to help Abby out um, with that treatment. But both girls have severe developmental disabilities. Neither of them can hold their head up or use their limbs purposefully. They can't walk or talk. Both of them are fed through a tube into their stomach and they both have um, some vision issues and um, applying their hearing and their vision and their senses is is difficult for them um, in a purposeful way. So they definitely have extreme disabilities and their life can be really hard sometimes, but they have the most beautiful smiles. And when we walk into the room and look at them, um, I can sense how happy they are um, just by being with us and, It's really, really amazing to see the way that they can communicate and tell us how they feel without um, using words. You know, they they show us with their eyes and with other things. So um, they're they're developing in their own timeline and they are living very unique lives, but they're teaching me a lot about life and they're teaching the world, I think, a lot about, um, about life and love and a new genetic condition. Emma is the oldest. Mariah found out that she had a disability after she was born. They didn't know she had any problems. When Emma was three months old, she turned blue and crunched her whole body forward. They took her to the hospital via ambulance due to her being blue and not breathing. They figured it was a fluke thing and that she was going to be fine. So my pregnancy and birth with Emma was so perfect and I have such amazing memories of that time. 
Um, and we brought home our newborn little girl, just expecting the world to um, be perfect and life to be uh, magical. And then about three months old, we saw Emma turning blue periodically. And as a new mom, you know, I had no idea what that was. Obviously it wasn't good, but I didn't know what was causing that. Um, and then right around the same time, she also do, started doing these little crunching movements where she would like crunch her whole body forward. And so um, those things combined, you know, we took her to the hospital um, actually via ambulance because of the turning blue, not breathing thing. And, um, you know, I still, I think anticipated everything was just gonna be fine because there was no way anything was going to be really wrong but they hooked her up to an EEG, did all these tests on her, and the next morning, a whole group of doctors walked in with these really sullen faces and sat me down and told us that she was having seizures, um, two kinds of seizures actually, um, focal ones which were causing her to stop breathing, but also something called infantile spasms, which are a catastrophic form of um, pediatric epilepsy. Basically, the brain is so chaotic that it can't learn and develop, and um, it's critical to get those under control. Um, we tried treatments with her, pretty serious treatments that have some pretty um, scary side effects, and we initially got control, but it only lasted a week or two before she started having seizures again. And since then, we've tried every medication <laughs> under the sun, and. Um, have struggled to get control of them. Um, and so that's why she still struggles with her seizures daily. They did genetic testing that was inconclusive. They couldn't find anything genetically wrong, which is interesting considering what we know now. They could find nothing genetically wrong and, you know, told us we don't know what's causing this, but likely it's just some mutation that happened in Emma during pregnancy or early development and it was probably just a fluke. So, um, you know, we we thought through it, but decided that the odds they had given us were safe enough and comfortable enough that we decided to have another child. And um, Abby came along and it was right around that same, same time, about three months old, that she started having those little crunching movements. And I remember seeing her eyes roll and my heart stopping and I wasn't willing to admit to myself that that was weird, but it was so familiar. After a few days of trying to ignore it, she sat down with her husband and tried to decide if they needed to take her in to get her infantile spasms under control and get treatment. We decided that it was, you know, familiar enough and scary enough that we did the very scary drive back to the hospital and faced again the emergency room and the tests and the EEG and it was kind of the same process the next morning doctors walked in and my husband always says he knew by the looks on their face before they said a word that they were about to hand us our second diagnosis day and sure enough they said it's infantile spasms again and at that point um, we knew it had to be genetic there was no way this was a coincidence that it happened twice and we did more extensive genetic testing and by being able to add Abby's DNA into the mix with Emma's and myself and my husband's, they were able to isolate a gene and um, it really 
The only reason we were able to find it is because we have both Emma and Abby. So it's a little bit of a, a blessing in disguise that, um, that Abby came along and unfortunately is living with the same disease. But because of that, we were able to isolate the gene and now we're pursuing treatments for the genetic condition to help both of the girls. Abby was one year old when they got the official diagnosis for both girls, THAP12 mutation. There is no research on it and no understanding of what that gene will affect in the future. They are paving the way and are finding out what they can do to help at the genetic level. I believe that there are people out there that have it. They just don't know it. I think because, as I mentioned, it took having both Emma and Abby to even discover it. And so people that you know may have it in a family, but they don't necessarily have a sibling, doctors don't even know to look for it. So they may be doing genetic testing and they just don't know to look for THAP12 because it's not recognized as a disease-causing gene. Um, and so some of our big advocacy efforts with our girls and our foundation is to raise awareness for THAP12 so that we can hopefully find more people that are living with this disease and they just don't know it yet. They're still living in that undiagnosed gray area because, you know, without Abby, Emma would still be there. Emma would still be undiagnosed and living with um, a disease that we didn't know the origins of. So I think there's people out there. I just think Emma and Abby are, you know, case one and two. They're the ones to really discover the disease, but um, I believe in their lifetime and I really hope sooner than later we'll find more patients that we can work together with to, to figure this disease out. I've thought about it for a long time to try to figure out how to explain it and I just don't think there are words to really explain how you feel and I, I know that other parents that have been through these kind of diagnoses understand that. It's I remember feeling numb, I remember feeling angry, I remember feeling sad, and I think it's it's really just a mourning process. And um, obviously, you know, I still had my beautiful baby and I was so thankful for that, but I was mourning the loss of an entire future and an entire life that I thought I was getting, that I thought she was going to have. Um, and it was really scary and it was really heartbreaking to have all these dreams and realize that they were going to look so different and they were going to be they were going to be so different than what most children's lives look like because that really is such a hard question because I don't I can't put into words it was heartbreaking and I was so scared and I was looking at my little baby and feeling completely helpless. There was nothing I could do to help her and I didn't know what her future was going to look like. There was a range of options that they said, you know, she could just, the seizures could resolve and she could have a relatively normal life or it could be severe and she could never walk or talk again and I had no idea what that looked like and, you know, we kept trying new medications and would get a moment of control and so I would think, okay, this is it, you know, she's going to be fine and then the seizures would hit again and it was you know, heartbreak and devastation all over again. It was a roller coaster. And, you know, I went through a really, really difficult time where I just was, it was hard for me to even function. I was really, really, um, really heartbroken over everything. But we um, went through the, the mourning process and we started to figure out what our new normal looked like. And we got 
familiar with Emma's journey and um, just got on board with letting her life um, unfold the way that it was going to. And we've just fallen in love with letting her be her and letting her journey kind of uh, take the trajectory that it's gonna take and letting her tell us where she's going and what she needs and we're here for her every step of the way. THAP 12 presents primarily as seizures. Both girls have seizures. Emma has seizures daily and luckily for Abby, her seizures are more controlled. Both have severe developmental disabilities. Neither can hold their heads up, use their limbs purposefully, walk or talk. Both are fed through a G-tube. They both have vision issues. They require total care. Mariah has a foundation that advocates and raises awareness for THAP12 mutation so that they can find more people who have this disease and don't know about it. So when we had Abby, I think we were in shock because I don't think we ever imagined it could happen a second time. And I immediately fell back into that really painful place of mourning the loss of um, another child's life that I thought would be, you know, perfect. And um, it was it was really hard to picture our life because we knew at that point how hard um, how hard it was for Emma. And thinking of another child having to go through that was really heartbreaking. But I think having Abby kind of lit a fire under my butt, like, okay, we're gonna figure this out. Now we have more evidence and more proof and we, we have more understanding now, so we're gonna figure it out. So I, I didn't sit in that heartbroken space for as long with Abby. Um, you know, I, I went through the mourning process and then just decided, well, this is what our journey is going to look like and this is what we've been handed. and. Um, that's when I really decided I wasn't going to just sit by and, um, you know, live it. We were going to fight it and um, realize that we were in a very special situation in that we needed to talk about it. We needed to be open with people about it and really connect with other people that were going through difficult journeys because we, we, we're so familiar with that difficult journey. And I think by, you know, being open and talking with other people, we can share in our, in our journey and share in our learning and also be support for other people. I know that when I was going through the early stages with Emma and then again with Abby, reaching out to other people that have been, that had been through it was my biggest support. That was really what got me through is, was being able to talk about people that, talk with people that understood it. And I wanted to be that for other people. So um, having Abby was definitely hard, but I think it was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back in getting us up and moving and really, really fighting for this disease. Because their journey is so unique, they believe in being open and sharing their learning to be a support for other people. Their daily routine for the girls is Emma is, has very low muscle tone and it makes it harder for her to breathe and she doesn't swallow so secretions build up and block her airway. A good hour each morning is dedicated to respiratory therapy. They keep us busy. So Emma, um, unfortunately her, 
her really low muscle tone has made it harder for her to breathe very well. And because she doesn't swallow, secretions build up and, and kind of block her airway. So her morning is a good hour of um, respiratory therapy. She has this little vest that she wears that shakes for 30 minutes and gets all the goo kind of loosened up. And she does a, a nebulizer and then she does some suctioning and cough assist. So, um, you know, takes a good hour in the mornings just to get her up and up and moving and, and cleared out of all of those um, secretions and get her breathing well. Um, and for Abby, she's our little feisty girl. So she wakes up in the morning just talking away and ready to go. Um, but the girls both have therapies every week. They are in PT twice a week, feeding therapy twice a week. Um, Emma is actually in hippotherapy, so she goes and rides horses once a week. Um, and they both get music therapy. And um, Emma recently for the summer joined a baseball buddy league. So every Saturday she goes and plays baseball with um, a little league team that helps out all of the kiddos with disabilities and um, helps them use the bat and catch the ball and run around the bases. So she participates in that. Um, and hopefully we'll get them back in preschool pretty soon now that schools are opening back up again. So um, yeah, they do, they're very busy, lots of therapies. Um. Just to leave the house requires a lot of equipment, oxygen, suction, pulse ox, both feeding pumps, emergency medications, even going a walk requires a lot of equipment. So because of Emma's difficulties with her breathing and her secretion management, she's on oxygen pretty much 24 seven. Um, we also keep her hooked up to a pulse ox most of the time so that we can monitor her oxygen levels because they can fluctuate so quickly. Um, and then we have to travel everywhere with a suction machine to make sure that we're able to clear um, the secretions if they get built up and she isn't breathing well. So in order to leave the house, we're traveling with a lot of equipment with um, oxygen, with pulse ox, with suction, usually with both of their feeding pumps. So getting out of the house can be quite quite the ordeal for us, even just to go on a walk. Um, we're packing up a bunch of equipment and emergency medications and things like that to make sure that we have everything they need when we leave. Um, so it's definitely a different experience just to pick up and go for a walk or run to the park. Um, it's, it's a lot of planning and a lot of time to get everything to get everything right. One of the benefits of uh, what we learned with Emma during treatment is we were able to treat Abby seizures a bit more aggressively and kind of use some out of the box treatment plans that resulted in her not having as many seizures. And by controlling her seizures, she's maintained her ability to swallow. She has a little bit more muscle tone than Emma. So she's a little stronger and her airway is a little bit stronger so she can breathe better. So. Um, she's avoided at least some of the extremes that Emma lives with um, and is, is definitely a little bit more independent with regards to machines and interventions. So Abby, we are able to feed her by mouth, but she was never able to take enough to maintain her, her weight. So we had to uh, give her a G-tube just to keep up the amount of uh, calories that she gets. She also can only swallow like purees and she can't drink water because it's too thin and she aspirates on it. So just in order to make sure she's well hydrated and has enough calories, um, she gets a good portion of her nutrition through her G-tube. Their extended family's reactions were very supportive. When Emma was diagnosed, her mom stayed and helped for a month. 
We're lucky to have a really great support system. Um, when Emma was diagnosed, actually, my mom flew up to help us out for a month. She was gonna stay and, and really um, give us the assistance we needed to get through those early stages of diagnosis. And after that month was up, she extended it for six months and got her own apartment. And after the six months was up, she just decided she wasn't going home and she's been here with us ever since. And actually my dad was finally able to join her and he moved up right before COVID started. And so my mom is here every day helping with the girls. She went to school to become a certified nursing assistant to take care of um, the girls. And she's been a huge lifeline for us. Um, my dad is here all the time helping out when he can. Um, and running errands for us and being being an amazing support. Um, my in-laws live a few hours away and they're here visiting when they can and helping out in every way they can. Everybody's really rallied behind us and you know supported us as much as possible. We we have so many amazing friends that have helped as well. I uh, it took a little while after the girls were diagnosed to feel comfortable being around friends that had that had kids that were healthy and developing. It was. A little painful to see that in comparison, but the farther along our journey we get, the more I recognize that we're just on a different journey and it just looks a little different, not better, not worse, just different. And it's become really amazing to be around other kiddos that, you know, they see Emma and Abby and they ask questions and they're so curious about you know, the different things, her feeding tube, and it's really cool to get to teach them about a different kind of kiddo and a different journey in life and let them see that and you know see these kiddos around Emma and Abby wanting to play with them and wanting to show them things and bring them things and helping when they can't turn pages or they can't you know reach out for a toy it's really amazing to see the kindness in kiddos hearts and so we really enjoy now going to spend time with friends that have kids you know similar in age and and getting to be around um, big groups of people and really feeling that support from our community has been amazing. The daily struggles are many. When people ask about the girls, Mariah tries to spin their situation in a positive way. There is a lot of struggles, but Mariah wants people to see that there is beauty and joy as well. You know, our day-to-day -day life, there's parts of our day-to-day -day life that are very difficult. Um, leaving the house with all the machinery is difficult. Keeping Emma's oxygen saturations at a safe level is really difficult. Keeping her comfortable can be very difficult. Making sure that she's living a life that is, that is enjoyable and not full of pain is difficult. So our daily struggles, there's, there's many of them, and I try not to focus on those. When I talk to people, I always try to maybe spin it in a positive light, not so that people, you know, don't pity us, but just because I want people to see the girls as happy beings. I want them to focus on the good because there is so much struggle. I want them to really see the good and, and know that their lives are beautiful. One other really difficult thing is just the future because the girls will always need 24-7 care and I struggle a lot with thinking about the future. When I'm not here, what will their life look like? And then even harder that I think a lot of parents struggle with is 
what happens if they leave before I do? What will that life look like? And that's a really scary thing because it's something a lot of parents face um, when you have medically complex kiddos is what that future looks like for them. And that's that's something that um, is really hard as well. But on the positives, the joys, I think what gets us through the struggles is all the little joys that come out. Emma has the most beautiful little coo. She sounds like a little bird. And when she's having a good day and she's talking and she's looking around and, you know, I can always tell she's being super expressive by the way she lifts her eyebrows up and looks around at everything. And that little simple moment brings me so much joy that it makes up for everything. I think having medically complex and disabled children really brings to light the simple things in life and how beautiful something so simple can really be. And so, you know, her little coos bring me so much joy. Abby smiles. She'll be laying in her crib and I'll walk over and look at her and a big smile will come across her face. Or Emma, when she plays baseball on the weekends, just seeing the other kids with her and how kind they are to her and how much they're learning from her and about her really just brings so much joy to my life. I love that they can teach the world about different abilities and they can teach the world about different kinds of journeys that are all beautiful in their own way. And you know, at the end of the day, we it's a, it's not an easy life. I can't sugarcoat it, but we're a really happy family and you know, my girls just completely fill my heart and every little thing about them despite the struggles is just it's a really beautiful beautiful thing. Yeah, if I had to give advice especially to newly diagnosed families is to be kind to yourself and to give yourself the time to grieve and not to beat yourself up for some of the you know negative thoughts that you feel because it's a hard situation and you're allowed to be angry and you're allowed to be scared and you know hate the world for a little while because it sucks it's not not fun to be thrown into such a difficult situation but throughout all of it to know that it will get better and to know that your child's life has such amazing meaning and such importance and that the journey may look very different but it doesn't mean it's any less it doesn't mean you're any less of a parent or any less deserving of the life that you want and the life that your child deserves and that it, it does get better and, and you learn a new kind of normal. It's it's hard, but I think you become a stronger person. So keeping in mind throughout the difficulties that you're gonna become so strong and your child is gonna teach you so much about life that you wouldn't otherwise, I wouldn't change a thing. If I could take the pain away from my girls on their difficult days, I would do that. And that's why we're fighting with with research and we're um, you know, advocating and, and searching for treatments and cures, but their lives are so meaningful and they are so much fun. And yes, it's absolutely worth it. Every step of the way has been um, its own kind of challenge, but I have learned so much from my girls and I've learned so much about life that um, I can't imagine any other way and I I would take their pain away if I could but I wouldn't change a thing it's just been an incredible journey and I'm so lucky that they chose me to be their mom I am so grateful that Mariah took the time to talk with me and educate me about THAP 12 mutation and the joys and the struggles of having two girls with that diagnosis thanks for listening 
Thanks for listening to this episode. Orange Socks is an initiative of Rise Incorporated, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting and advocating for people with disabilities. Follow Orange Socks on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, orangesocks.org, for more stories and to find national and local resources to help parents of children with disabilities.